0: Welcome to the Minor and Landis Immigration Update Podcast, the podcast where immigration professionals and foreign nationals go to keep up to date. On June 16th, 2021, a U.S. Department of Labor administrative law judge ordered a U.S. company to pay a former employee more than $400,000 in back wages and benefits for multiple violations of the E-3 visa program as established by the Immigration and Nationality Act. In this week's podcast, I'm going to tell you how that happened, explain briefly what the E3 visa program is, and explain what you as an employer can do to prevent falling into a similar situation when you hire foreign nationals who need LCAs. This includes not just the E3, but the H1B and the H1B1 visas as well. Hi, I'm Mike Pulsonella, video and podcast producer. Miner and Landis's immigration partner, Lynn Walker, is the author of these podcasts. You can read her original article, which is posted simultaneously with these podcasts, on Lynn's LinkedIn page. Definitely check out her articles on LinkedIn when you get a chance. That's Lynn Walker, spelled L-I-N. So let's get back to this U.S. company that was recently fined $400,000 and see how it happened. The employee in question was an Australian citizen who had been employed in the United States in E3 non-immigrant status, a pro se litigant, who filed a complaint against his former employer, which was located in Florida. He definitely had a few legitimate grievances, which we will get to in a moment. So what is the E3 visa program? The E3 visa classification allows Australian citizens to enter and work in the United States in a specialty occupation for two years. Now, This is very similar to the H1B and H1B1 visas, except like those more familiar visa classifications, the E3 has no cap. This is actually an important difference and an important topic which we will talk about in more depth in an upcoming podcast, but for now let's just lay out the rules of the E3 visa. So to qualify for an E3 visa, the applicant must, to start with, simply be a National of Australia. That's pretty simple and straightforward. But they also must have a legitimate offer of employment in the United States in a specialty occupation and have the required academic background or other qualifying credentials for that specialty occupation. As many of you know, a specialty occupation is one that cannot be performed without a bachelor's degree or higher, or some kind of equivalent, in a specific field of study or a narrow range of fields of study. Some quick examples of specialty occupations include, but are not limited to, architects, engineers, professors, teachers, lawyers, accountants, doctors, dentists, physical therapists, and dietitians. that kind of thing. So like the H-1B, and H1B1 program, the E3 program requires employers to file a labor condition application. And This is the LCA I mentioned in the opening part of the podcast. The LCA is filed with the Department of Labor to guarantee certain wages and working conditions. In filing the LCA, the US employer must agree to pay the foreign national beneficiary at least the required wage, which is defined as the higher of the prevailing wage or the employer's actual wage paid to similarly employed workers. For a complete explanation of the prevailing wage versus the required wage and how it is determined, it's, it's a bit complex, please go to Lynn Walker's YouTube channel. We've produced a very clear and informative video about this often confusing topic. So let's continue. Uh, this next part comes from the Department of Labor's administrative law judge's decision Quote, the wage requirement includes the U.S. employer's obligation to offer benefits and eligibility for benefits provided as compensation for services to E3 non-immigrants on the same basis and in accordance with the same criteria as the employer offers to U.S. workers. End quote. Another important provision of the E3 program is that the US employer is liable for reasonable costs of return transportation of the E3 non-immigrant abroad if their employment is terminated by the US employer before the end of the period of authorized admission. When a US employer terminates an E3 non-immigrant, the US employer is required to do three things. First, give notice of such termination to the E3 non-immigrant, of course. Two, give notice of such termination to USCIS as well. And three, if such termination is before the end of the period of authorized admission, they must provide the E3 non-immigrant with payment for transportation home. If an employer violates certain provisions of the E3 visa program related to the willful failure to pay the required wage, the employer is mandatorily and temporarily barred or disqualified for a period of two to three years from filing E3 visa petitions. So you can see following these rules is pretty important. So let's get to it. How did the US company violate the E3 visa program in this particular case? Well, it gets kind of gnarly from here, so hang on. According to the findings of fact made by the administrative law judge, the U.S. company finalized an agreement to employ the E3 plaintiff in the United States in E3 status as a civil engineering commercial manager at an annual salary of $170,000 plus medical benefits as well as relocation costs and housing for the E3 plaintiff and his spouse and children. The U.S. company's Immigration Council filed and obtained a certified or approved LCA, the Labor Condition Application listing the E3 plaintiff's dates of employment as July 30th, 2018 to July 30th, 2020. The E3 plaintiff and his family entered the United States in E3 status on August 3rd, 2018, and the E3 plaintiff reported to work for the U.S. company. A few days later, when the E3 plaintiff reported to work on Thursday, August 9th, 2018, the U.S. company's president terminated his employment and advised the E3 plaintiff that he and his family were required to vacate the housing that the US company was providing by that Saturday, August 11th, 2018, two days. The E3 plaintiff and his family left Florida on August 11th, 2018, and drove back to Canada, which had been their last place of residence, arriving on August 17th, 2018. In a letter dated December 11, 2019, the U.S. company informed USCIS that it had terminated the E-3 plaintiff as of August 17, 2018. The ALJ determined, based on the evidence in the record, that the E-3 plaintiff was not paid the offered wage, in accordance with the certified LCA, on a prorated basis for his employment from August third, 2018 to August 9, 2018. The ALJ also found that the U.S. company did not effect a bona fide termination of the E3 plaintiff under the immigration regulations. The immigration regulations required the U.S. company to, as we mentioned before, give notice of such termination to the E3 non-immigrant, give notice to USCIS, and if the termination occurred before the end of the period of authorized admission, provide the E3 non-immigrant with payment for transportation costs home. The ALJ found that the U.S. company gave notice of such termination to the E3 plaintiff on August 9, 2018, and notified USCIS more than a year later on December 11, 2019, when it submitted a letter to USCIS. However, the termination was not bona fide, according to the ALJ, because the U.S. company did not provide the E3 plaintiff with payment for transportation home since the company terminated him before July 26, 2020, the end period of his authorized admission. Because the U.S. company did not affect a bona fide termination of the E3 plaintiff, the ALJ determined that the U.S. company was responsible for back wages from August 3, 2018 to July 26, 2020, totaling $336,730.77 and fringe benefits totaling $67,346.15 plus interest. In addition, the ALJ determined that the U.S. company's failure to pay the E3 plaintiff's wages was a willful failure and therefore ordered that the company be disqualified from filing E3 visa petitions. What can other U.S. companies learn from this case? This decision to award that much money to the former employee should serve as a cautionary reminder to U.S. employers of the importance of following U.S. immigration laws and retaining highly experienced and knowledgeable immigration attorneys. For employers, a very important part of the decision to pay close attention to was this. As the DOL judge stated in their opinion, quote, an employer's ignorance of the NIA's requirements or contention that noncompliance was due to an attorney or an employee will not excuse noncompliance, end quote. By filing and signing an LCA, U.S. employers are certifying that they are aware of their legal obligations to meet certain wage and employment requirements for their E3 employees and their H-1B and H-1B1 employees as well. It's the role of competent immigration counsel to explain all of the wage and employment requirements established by the immigration statute and regulations, as well as the potential consequences for U.S. employers' failure to comply with those requirements. Such knowledge ensures that U.S. employers understand their obligations and the consequences of the failure to meet those obligations, ensures that E3 employees are treated legally and fairly, and protects the interests of U.S. workers. So what are the takeaways from this decision for U.S. employers? US employers must pay the E3 employee at least the required wage, which is defined as the higher of the prevailing wage or the employer's actual wage paid to similarly employed workers. Again, for a complete explanation of the prevailing wage and how it is determined, please go to Lynn Walker's YouTube channel. If a US employer terminates an E3 employee, it must notify the E3 employee and USCIS immediately upon such termination, not a week, a month, or a year after the termination occurs. And finally, if a U.S. employer terminates an E3 employee before the end of the employee's authorized period of stay, the U.S. employer must provide the E3 employee with payment for transportation home. Preparing and filing an E3 may be complex and present challenges and consequences that an employer must take into account an employer's failure to pay the appropriate wage, abide by the requirements of the LCA, or affect a bona fide termination of an E3 employee may result in harsh penalties, including, but not limited to fines and debarment from filing future E3 petitions for immigration benefits and liability for back wages and fringe benefits with interest. In this regard, we highly recommend that U.S. employers contact a highly qualified attorney for a consultation prior to initiating an E3 process for an employee or terminating an E3 employee. If you have any questions regarding the E3 process, obligations, and risks, please contact us for a consultation. Thanks for listening. Disclaimer. The information contained herein is intended only for educational or informational purposes and is not a substitute for legal advice. Further, listening to this HR tip in no way establishes an attorney-client relationship between you and Minor & Landis LLP. Listeners should consult legal counsel for definitive advice regarding the current law and regulations and how those apply to your unique situation within your organization.